I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Kavanaugh. Joining me today, as always, we have Mr. Steve Bonham. Steve, how are you doing today? Lovely, Jack. Thanks for having me on my own podcast. I always appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. It's always a pleasure to have you back on your own podcast. Joining us as well is Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how's it going? Fantastic. About as good as you can do during the, uh, <laughs> given the current circumstances. I can't complain too much when you're talking fantasy ball can ya? no no first world problems and finally we have mr jordan mcdonald joining us jordan how's it going today i'm doing well jack thanks for having me on steve neil jordan with the debut like it i like it welcome in very exciting to have you on and we just wrapped up our ranking summit and boy neil do you have any thoughts on that how that went we somehow managed to get done on time people against all odds we somehow managed to do it and it was way less of a free-for-all to be honest, than, than what I was expecting. Those were my initials just for how the day actually got down. Really positive overall. It was. The fights, we didn't kill each other. No, you know, nobody raised their voice except for when Aiden got all in a snit about Marlon Mack and Derrick Henry. Don't forget about Juju. <laughs> I did forget. I did <laughs> not, forget. Not wrong. Yeah. yeah, not wrong. Yeah. Uh, lots of takes from Aiden. We'll be getting to those. Don't you worry. Lots of angry, angry takes from Aiden. <laughs> uh, but we'll get move on from that it's time to get started we broke down every team in the AFC which is probably why it went so well Steve didn't have to get anyone mad at anyone about the Packers so that's tomorrow's problem yeah, exactly but for today we get to enjoy things sort of starting with the Broncos Neil are you excited about the Broncos this season what do you think about Drew Locke I got to say, for the first time in a long time, I'm actually excited about a, uh, a Denver Broncos season. They, they enter the season fresh off of a nice draft, get replenished on offense, and uh, looking to see if they can get the next step out of Drew Locke. I think that for the first time in a long time, there's optimism around the Broncos offense, and that's short supply over the last few years. And the Brock Osweiler years did, really didn't bring that to anyone. A lot of people are ready to declare Drew Locke as good because we got him all these weapons. Steve, are you in on that bandwagon? Uh, I'm excited about year two, but I'm not going to go that far yet. I feel like it's a good flyer late in your draft, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's still too early. We don't know if it's going to be sophomore slump or second year jump, right, Jack? That's our that's going to be our Uh, thing this year. So there you go. Had to had to remind me of my failure to title my had to remind me. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, Jordan, do you have any strong takes on Drew Locke, or are we kind of just, no one knows what he is because I haven't seen enough? Yeah, there was a little sample size we saw last season, but this season he is set up for success. You can't deny that with the weapons he got, Melvin Gordon, Judy, and Hamler. It's all on him. He needs to perform well, and uh, we'll see. They they did their best. They did their best to surround him with talent, and it's just, uh, it's all to him now. They really did try their best to Around him with talent they did add those receivers in the draft more importantly to some anyways they added melvin gordon great running back and he's going to be stealing some targets away from philip Lindsay. and why is that neil 
Well, the common, the, the narrative that you see is that Philip Lindsay is just going to shift into the third down role and Phil, look it up, people. Philip Lindsay can't catch. Okay. It's, it's sad, but it's true. And if that was going to happen, it would have happened by now. So the reality is Melvin Gordon has the potential to come in and actually be the third down running back in this offense the majority of the time. And it's just three and a half targets a game is probably going to end up being on him more than just by attrition because there's nobody else there that has really proven that they can be effective when they catch the football. There is someone who has proven that they can catch the football, but what they do with it after that is suspect. And that's the problem when you're a 190 pound satellite back who can't catch the ball. What role for you is there in the NFL, especially when you have a real bell cow profile type like Melvin Gordon? The CJ Spiller role is what it is. And that was fun for two years. And well, we know how that story ended, unfortunately. Moving on from running back, because we've said all there is to say about there. We've got Cortland Sutton as the wide receiver one. We've got Jerry Judy as the wide receiver two. And is there really room for anything more than that in this Broncos offense, Jordan? Uh, well, KJ Hamler in the second round uh, would disagree. Uh, I think he can carve himself out a role. As a third uh, wide receiver, uh, it's we'll see what kind of role he'll actually play and how many targets he'll see. But again, um, if you know if he can be productive, then yeah, we can definitely see an impact there. Uh, but again, all the other guys they had before with Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, I think get pushed down. Uh, so I just don't think it's a, it's a two horse race there. I think that KJ Hamler is also uh, uh, he also in recognition. Uh, you know, fair enough. That is a very fair point. They did draft him, but it's just w- when you have Drew Locke at quarterback, everything's just so certain. What does that do to Noah Fant, Steve? Any room for him in this Broncos offense? Do we still like him given all the weapons they have? Yeah, I think Hamler definitely does have a role, and I, I do think that Fant keeps his position as well. I do believe he takes that you know step in his second year, but there are more mouths to feed. I also think that as a whole, they're going to throw the ball slightly more than before, so... I'm fine with Noah fan. Just such a talented player. It's hard to pass. And speaking of talent and mouse to feed, Patrick Mahomes, he's got weapons everywhere. ERQB won this year, Neil? Well, not for me, because for me, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be Lamar. But, uh, but there was, there was a significant groundswell in the room for Mahomes to be ahead of his, uh, his, let's say projections from other outlets so talented it's just so hard to pass up we've seen the mvp we've seen the super bowl mvp and he's got another weapon out to help him now we've got clyde edwards hilaire steve any thoughts on clyde edwards hilaire how's he gonna do where's damian williams what's this backfield gonna break down like i think the industry consensus right now is that it's just hilaire's job and damian williams is basically dead but i think that's a mistake i think williams is still gonna have a significant role uh, do I think Hilaire is going to be the primary back? Sure, absolutely. I think he will, by the end of the season, absolutely lead the team in uh, both targets and carries in terms of uh, running backs. But I think that for Hilaire to get the job completely to himself right out of the gate is a misstep. Especially with the lack of an offseason. It's going to affect people. Damian Williams has that leg up. I know a lot of people like Neil really don't like Edward Solaire as much as the rest of the people over here at Important Nonsense. Neil, do you have any comments on that? It's not so much that I have a problem with anybody here at Important Nonsense's projection, because those were all those were all not that nuts. But if you actually expand out CEH's projection across the industry consensus, they've left Damian Williams for dead. And uh, to Steve's point, I feel that that's a, that's a that's an error. You can't. There's no. They're they're saying effectively that. 
the Chiefs are going to run the ball like 6% to 7% to 8% more than what they've done. And I just don't see an increase to that magnitude, which is the only way you could get to those CEH numbers. So he will not be RB15 for me, like a lot of people outside of here. Uh, we may have to pump the brakes on the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire hype that's been going on this offseason. You see the round one price tag and everyone gets excited. It's easy to get excited about first round picks. And that's kind of what Chargers fans are doing. They're getting really excited about Justin Herbert. But Tyrod Taylor's the starter. Jordan, how long is he going to start for? It really depends on how he plays. Uh, if Tyrod Taylor... If he plays well and doesn't have any Chargers fans or lack thereof clamoring for Herbert, I think he should be fine. But if the season's lost and the Chargers have the injuries mounting up, then yeah, you could see them have uh, people want Herbert in. It it depends. It really depends on how their season goes, and it depends how how well Tyrod plays. But I I think you we might see Herbert this season depending on what what happens. I, it, I wouldn't really put a number on it, but maybe 10 games in is a good estimate for, for Herbert. Yeah, it's a fair point. You know, the Chargers have a really good defense, and if they can win with Tyrod, then they're going to keep him in and as long as they can. But Tyrod significantly caps the receiving floor for everyone on the team. Steve, who do you think is hurt the most if Tyrod starts 10 games? Um, I don't know if it would really hurt anybody in particular. I think what we would be looking at is... Guys like K.J. Hill, guys like Reed, who are further down the wide receiver depth chart, who may not have a chance to get in the room with Tyrod, who may not have that same rapport as somebody like an Andre Patton, who's already been on the team and already had some opportunity to play with Tyrod a little bit. So I feel like once Herbert gets in, those younger guys are going to have a better opportunity to produce and have fantasy value. So it's more of the back end of the roster guys are going to produce. Okay, I can understand that. And so it's in the low-volume passing offense. Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen kind of take a little bit of a dive. But it is what it is, and it's hard to predict until we actually know who's going to be under center. Other team with questions about who's going to be under center, we've got the Raiders with Derek Carr. He's the assumed starter. Mariota's kind of lurking in the background. And there's a bunch of questions about the backfield. Who do you think is going to lead that backfield in receptions? We know Jacobs is the bell cow, but is he going to finally see that receiving work that we were hoping for last year? I wish, but if but no, unfortunately. That's why Jalen Richard still exists, it's to throw cold water on everybody's hopes and dreams for Lynn Bowden and Josh Jacobs being some sort of dynamic powerhouse in the receiving from the backfield game. Unfortunately, I think Jacobs is going to end up with around 30 receptions for the season. So not not... Not horrible, but not how, not the reason why he's like right around RB6. That's not why. It's going to be the other side of the ball, the rushing touchdowns, and the actual rushing. So more traditional, more appealing and standard. That sounds like a Derrick Henry style running back and great and standard. You'll get what you get in PPR. And the rest of the Raiders' offense, it's kind of you'll get what you get with the receivers. We've got Ruggs, we've got Renfro. Jordan, who do you think leads that receiving room in targets? Well, I can tell you it probably won't be Aguilar. Uh, Philadelphia legend, uh, <laughs> but the uh, the leader in targets, I I think it should be Renfro. I think Renfro will will uh, be a nice you know he he'll be nice in the slot. You know they won't really put him outside, but he'll you know that Derek Carr loves to to check down. So I think he'll be he'll see a healthy amount of targets. I think that Darren Waller also is a is a candidate for that. 
So I think it's between the two. I think Ruggs might be a little slow at first, you know, just to, you know, have that chemistry with Derek Carr. Uh, I think that will grow as the season progresses. Tyrell Williams, I don't really, I think his time as a Raiders coming to an end. I, I liked him at the beginning of the season, but that had a lot to do with Antonio Brown and his circus leaving town. Uh, so I would say either Renfro or Waller are probably the, the best uh, candidates for uh, most targets on this team. And, you know, some people are worried that Waller might see a little bit of a dive because we do have another legend joining the Oakland Raiders. We have Mr. Monday Night Football, Jason Witten. Neil, how is he going to perform this year? Shockingly, people, shockingly, we are the highest in the industry right now on Stumpy. That's Who'd right. Thunk it? That's right. We love Jason Witten in a way that it, it seems borderline unreasonable. But go with me here. What for as long as Carr's the starter, what does Carr like to do? Check it down. What is Jason Witten's entire game that he's got left for you in in this? Throw one block, take two steps out, turn around, catch it, fall down. So what what is an unfortunate byproduct here is that Jason Witten is not really going to have enough fantasy value to be rosterable or usable in any real meaningful way, but he's going to probably siphon off around like two hundred some odd yards, which is significant considering that you've got kind of a low a low ceiling on what the Raiders total output could be here. And that's just the problem with the position of tight end is he's going to have multiple tight end one weeks where he is fantasy usable, but you're never going to play him because you just can't take that chance. How can you predict it? Exactly. Another player difficult to predict too, actually moving to the AFC South. Kenny Stills, Will Fuller. Who's going to play? Either of them matter, Steve. I mean, for me, it's Kenny Stills. We've seen enough of Will Fuller to know that eight games is probably like his cap. Unless something crazy happens that he decides to stay on the field the entire season. But for me, from a pure talent perspective, it's going to be Stills. He's the guy that I trust slightly more. When we're projecting it out, though, I have to project it like both of them are going to play. And because of that, they kind of split that number two role on the right side of the offense did bring in two new receivers with the Houston Texans to try and bring up Deshaun Watson's ability to win a Super Bowl, bring it home to Texas. Is that possible with Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb? Who leads the receiving room, Neil? Well, for me, it's Cobb, but I was actually going to flip that back around on you because you were pounding the table, I felt like, for Randall Cobb when we were actually in open forum there. So how do you how do you evaluate it? Because for me, I think Cobb out, outpaces him in targets, but is Cobb the wide receiver you want, Jack? It depends on where I can get him, but yeah, in a PPR league, I am very interested in Cobb because he's going to catch so many of those short passes. He's completely taken away the tight end position in Houston because Darren Fells doesn't matter. Jordan Thomas doesn't matter. Who cares about any of them? It's going to be Randall Cobb on all those short targets, and I do think Brandon Cooks is the wide receiver one in terms of scoring and yards. In PPR leagues, don't be surprised if Cobb ends up passing him because of those raw reception totals that he's going to get on all those dump-offs. Quite the interesting situation. Another interesting situation that I got pretty heated over was the Jonathan Taylor versus Marlon Mack debate. So I'm a little bit biased. Steve, do you want to recap that for us? Uh, sure. So basically, Aiden said that Marlon Mack is not dead and may be like right in line, like a 50-50 split almost, if not leading the team in carries uh, compared to where everybody else seems to be that it's just Jonathan Taylor's job. I personally love Jonathan Taylor. You cannot find a better running back prospect than him. 
better than Saquon Barkley, and I can't name a second one better than him. It's true. And so I just don't see the Colts trading up for that kind of running back prospect to play him behind Marlon Mack. Jordan, do you think Mack is still has a role in this offense? I do. I, I don't know if it will continue to be 50-50. I think it may start that way. I know Frank Wright came out and said that it's going to be a 1-1 punch, uh, but I don't know if that's going to be for the entire season. But you'd be irresponsible to think that Jonathan Taylor is just going to sit back. You're right. They traded up to get him. They're, they have one of the best offensive lines, and they have the best running back prospect You know, in the last several years. I think so. I think that once the season progresses and they know that Taylor is a more efficient running back, I think they'll start to see Mac lose a little bit of carries and Jonathan Taylor start to run away with this offense, no pun intended. The Colts ended up being a really big sore spot because Burton got a lot of love, but Jack Doyle's the guy, right, Neil? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not dead yet. Jack Doyle is the one you want. He is going to be an extreme value in drafts this year, given where the industry has him at. The industry views him as like a total afterthought. And I just feel that that's incorrect. Philip Rivers will utilize the tight end. We've seen that over his career. And what does Philip Rivers like to do? He checks it down. Jack Doyle is still going to be the, the tight end one for the Colts. And I think is being dramatically under undervalued both in projections and in rankings. So look for him at the end of your, uh, your search for value tight end. Just happens every year. Just Jack Doyle is always that cutoff line tight end. Oh, you get what you get at tight end, and always nice to see. Moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, though, there was a legit debate about what's going to happen in that backfield. How many targets is Chris Thompson going to steal from Leonard Fournette this season, Steve? Well, I mean, the question with Chris Thompson is always, can he stay on the field? By the way, back to Neil's point, just very quickly, uh, Jack Doyle currently, in my fantasy leagues, going as tight end 33. Yeah, he's just left for dead. No one wants it. I have no idea what's going on there. It makes no sense. Uh, but yes, to your point, what we were talking about with Chris Thompson going to Jacksonville, Leonard Fournette last year had over 100 targets, and pretty much nobody else in the backfield was getting any kind of love. So now Chris Thompson joins the team with Jay Gruden coming over, former Washington head coach, now coming over and being the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville, and he brings Chris Thompson with him. We've seen what he can do in that offense. We've seen the role that he plays and what he does. I mean, right now, our projection came out as pretty much a 50-50 split, but that's assuming that Chris Thompson can play a majority of the season, and I'm I'm hesitant to buy that. Yeah, and that's the thing is when it comes to health, you really can't trust Chris Thompson. Even if you have Jay Gruden there banging the table to get his guy on the field, it's still Fournette's backfield. You really can't fight it. There's no one else that can take that role away from him. So moving on, on from the Jacksonville Jaguars, we have the Tennessee Titans. And Ryan Tannehill pred- predicts to do really well this year. Jordan, are you in on Ryan Tannehill? Can the Tana Thrill keep going in 2020? I think it'll be good. I wouldn't expect the same as last year. I think he took maybe everybody by surprise. Uh, they didn't really do much to improve the offense. Uh, they lost Jack Conklin. They replaced him with... Uh, they drafted, I, I think his name's Austin Wilson, um, right tackle out of Georgia. I mean, Derrick Henry is probably the guy you want, but maybe besides AJ Brown in terms of running backs, Derrick Henry will probably go first round in your drafts. I'm not as big on Derrick Henry as I am, uh, many other running backs just because of the lack of PPR. Um, but in terms of Tannehill, 
I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to to get excited when they didn't really, like I said, they didn't really do much to improve. But I think he'll be efficient. I think that he could be a nice quarterback that you could pair with another one that you can draft. Uh, they could interchange every week. But I wouldn't expect the world. That's just such a weird offense because no one expected Tannehill to become a legit fantasy star. And Derrick Henry completely blew up too. And we're a little bit down on Derrick Henry. Steve, any thoughts on Henry? I think they're going to push the ball with Henry still. I think they're still going to be strong. At the end of the day, we came out with Tannehill at quarterback 11. And right now, ADP, he's going at quarterback 20. So even though we're down on Tannehill, it's not as down as the industry is. And we're a little bit down on Henry. But again, it's the same thing. You know, right now we've got Derrick Henry projected out around running back eight. But if you look at ADP, he's at nine. So we're actually still a little bit ahead of ADP, maybe not in line with consensus, but I still feel strong about what we think Derrick Henry will do this season. And to that point, it's because industry consensus seems to be that Derrick Henry will hit, hit 1,500 yards rushing again. And I don't think any of us are really prepared to no, go. I mean, back. that's a lot. Like, that's a lot. It's, and we're at 13. So we're low, but I think we're more realistic. It's just hard to replicate that kind of success. You're were that efficient running the ball. It's just hard to do in the NFL. And passing game, eh, we've got AJ Brown and a bunch of guys. It's for Corey Davis. Sorry about him. Johnny Smith, though, projects to be a tight end one for us. Do you have any strong opinions on Jonu Smith? We've seen that role on that team have positive fantasy influence over the years. So ha- having a guy like Smith established in that role, I think, is very interesting. Last year, it didn't turn into much, but another big thing was Tajay Sharp leaving. You know, he left, he went to Minnesota. There's a bunch of targets left on the table there. We have him going to Adam Humphreys for the most part, but I think Janu Smith also gets some of those over the middle there, and that definitely helps his value. Especially, once again, to go back to that well, but tight end is just such a wild position. So you can really see Jonu Smith putting up numbers similar to Delaney Walker because he's just more athletic than a 30-year-old Delaney Walker. Moving on to the AFC North, though. Spoiler alert, Lamar Jackson is still very, very good. Just a reminder. Moving on to the running backs, though. We had a pretty heated debate. I am very biased in this debate. So, Neil, why don't you break it down? Mark Ingram versus J.K. Dobbins. Well, so this is an interesting one because we have we have certain members of our team we've learned that are ready to just pass the torch from Mark Ingram to J.K. Dobbins and effectively just say Mark Ingram is now just another guy at 31 years old in one of the most run-heavy attacks uh, in pro football. And that, me. that <laughs> that very much was <laughs> Jack. So yeah, and uh, one thing we all agreed on is uh, pour one out for Justice Hill. <laughs> That's a shame. Oh, that's it's such a shame. Uh, and then also, Gus Edwards still has a job because they've got enough actual you know volume to support three running backs, believe it or not. And but don't expect much. Gus is not unless someone was to go down. The debate really comes down into how dead do you think Mark Ingram is, and it comes down to also how do you feel about this? This is more or less the final hurrah for Mark Ingram. So do they kind of treat it like a rental? They're paying him. Are they going to give him more opportunities? And Jack, I'll let you start. So the consensus that we ended up with the projection was that Mark Ingram will still out-touch and outperform J.K. Dobbins, but I know you don't see that that way. 
No, I really don't. And I do think they are going to start the season. It's going to be a 60-40 split for Mark Ingram or more for Mark Ingram. Dobbins is just so explosive. And we didn't get to see him test at the Combine, but there was reports of him running a 4-4 when he was a teenager before he was at Ohio State. Guy is explosive. He's got reports of him jumping over 40 inches in the vertical. It's hard to keep that kind of talent off of the field. Mark Ingram is great. He's still very effective. The Ravens are a smart organization. They're not going to waste carries on a less efficient back. You just have the pure explosiveness of J.K. Dobbins. So I'm really excited about him. Here's my problem with the whole J.K. Dobbins argument. All right. So, yes, I understand how talented he is. He's the shiny new toy is the problem. And we run into this issue every year, it feels like, with some of these running backs. This feels like David Montgomery last year all over again. Like, on our projection, we have Mark Ingram around running back 26, Dobbins around 46. Even if you wanted to flip that and put Ingram at 26. Right now, in ADP for redraft leagues, Mark Ingram is going at running back 28. J.K. Dobbins is going at running back 17. You have to really pay for J.K. Dobbins and 100% buy into it if you want him. And I am definitely not there. It's an understandable take. I just, this is my shiny new toy. You know, I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan. I'll admit it. J.K. Dobbins is my shiny new toy. I'm excited about him. Moving on from the running back situation, though, not going to hit that any farther. Got a mess at receiver behind Marquise Brown. We've got Miles Boykin, Devin DuVernay cannibalizing each other. And Jordan McDonald, what are your thoughts on Willie Sneed? Well, according, <laughs> according to Madden, he's not dead. If you've ever played Madden and you uh, haven't played as the, the Ravens, somehow Willie Sneed leads the league in yards and receptions. But I don't think he's going to be part or integral part of this offense. I think he's, he'll come in occasionally. They drafted DuVernay, and DuVernay will definitely overcome him on, on the depth chart. Miles Boykin will be interesting. We'll see if he can take the step from rookie to sophomore. But, you know, this wide receiver two spots up for grabs. Um, I also want to clarify something. Um, the right tackle for the Titans, Isaiah Wilson, not Austin Wilson. I accidentally combined him and Austin Jackson. I apologize. Two bad offensive tackles. We can understand you did it. It's okay. Just so everyone knows, Jordan thinks he knows more than Madden. So keep that in mind and watch that as the season, <laughs> season rolls out. To be fair, there are a lot of people like me. Uh, but, you know, it's hard, it's hard to, to bang the drum for Willie Sneed. What, we haven't really seen much. He, uh, he had some games last year, you know, that we could maybe you know, cheer about. But for me, it doesn't, doesn't move the needle. Yeah, it's, it's, it is really hard to get excited. I feel like we've spent way too much of a fantasy podcast talking about Willie Sneed. I feel like this is just, is, what just, year is it? This is now just for Willie Sneed. This Sneed's is the mom. 2020 season, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Willie Sneed is the new Alan Hearns. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on to the real wide receiver one in Baltimore, just to touch on Mark Andrews real quick. He's the wide receiver one there. Marquise Brown is great. Mark Andrews is better. Moving on, we've got Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Steve, how excited are you about Cincinnati this year? I mean, I don't know if excited's the word I'd use. Interested? Yes. Excited? No. We've got smoking Joe Burrow. I mean, yeah, it's not bad. Am I more excited than Andy Dalton and the Bengals? Yes. I'll give you that. Absolutely. But... I don't know. I'm not over the moon. I think the biggest thing that we came out of this was we love Joe Mixon. 
I think that was the biggest takeaway yeah, from the Bengals. That's, talk. that was the, that was for real. The eye opening moment for me when we were talking about the Bengals and everybody, I think it's because the nerd wasn't there. Uh, everybody everybody who, he would have lost his mind because everybody else is, is apparently good with Joe Mixon top 10 running back just about like that's kind of how that projection landed well I mean um, the projection came in at RB6 I'm curious know, first of all we have to go through the NFC tomorrow so we'll see right. if it actually stays there but also how that'll compare to where everybody actually ranks him how scared are you really <laughs> Is anyone here willing to bang the table for uh, Giovanni Bernard to move on from the Bengals? Well, last I checked, Giovanni Bernard isn't here, so I'm going to go with no. Yeah. All right, moving on to a much more interesting backfield split. We have the Cleveland Browns and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb is going to be a monster in carries, but he's capped by Kareem Hunt in the passing game because they just love using Kareem Hunt as a receiver. Neil, how do you feel that backfield is going to break down? I, you know, we had a long conversation about this, and I think where we came to as a group is Nick Chubb not dead yet. Just they're going to run the ball even more than what they did under the previous coaching regime. At least that's going to be the game plan. So for me, Nick Chubb goes right back up to that conversation around like 1,200 yards. And the problem is, as you pointed out, well, he's going to lose. He's going to take a little bit of a hit in the rankings from where he was last year because his passing is now going to be capped by Kareem Hunt, who, as we know, they love. And as long as he can stay on the field, he's electric catching the ball out of the backfield. And they throw a lot of dump offs because you would if you have Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. And he's just so explosive as a receiver. Uh, talking about not explosive, though, we have Jarvis Landry, who is another one of those checkdown receivers. And Jordan, what do you think about Jarvis Landry going into this season? Is he going to be anywhere near Odell Beckham? I don't think so. We discussed uh, as a group that he has a, a hip issue, so that might prevent him at the beginning of the season from getting going right away. I think I would still put Odell over him. Jarvis Landry will be a nice little addition you can find in your draft, maybe as your your fourth receiver. Third was kind of pushing it a little. We also had a discussion about who will be the third receiver, not including the tight ends uh, in this offense. We talked about Richard Higgins. Peoples-Jones is coming on. There's still Ratley. But the two guys to have are definitely Beckham and Landry. But I would temper my expectations about Landry until maybe until training camp and training camp happens to see if he's fully healthy. So to that point, Jordan, uh, Jarvis Landry right now, consensus is like wide receiver 23. And followers of this podcast and the show we do on Wednesdays know that free Jarvis Landry. We are always high on Jarvis Landry. And so that's good. Mm -hmm. Let's keep pushing this narrative about the hips. Yeah, the projection is Landry at 32. And the ADP currently for Landry is 32. And if it wants to just stay there so I can own yeah. a bunch of Jarvis Landry, If it Landry, wants to just go hang right out ahead. there, you do that. Like, good, good. Keep keep this narrative going. We like this. Because that way I can own Jarvis Landry as my wide receiver three <laughs> all year. Great. And that's the thing is if he misses the first two games with a hip injury while he's just rehabbing, then it's just two games. Jarvis Landry is still going to catch a lot of balls once he returns. A guy who's probably not going to catch as many balls as he used to Austin Hooper, he's going from that Atlanta offense where he was the only tight end. Now he's going to be fighting with Njoku and Harrison Bryant. It's also going to be a lower passing offense or a low, lower volume passing offense. What do you think about Austin Hooper this year? You know, I'm surprised Aiden didn't make the argument today because he's made the argument to me across the entire offseason, basically, that Austin Hooper just isn't good at football. <laughs> but in general, his whole take has been Austin Hooper for a couple of years in Atlanta 
just wasn't getting the job done, wasn't fitting in that offense, just wasn't able to produce because he's just not that good. And then last year, they just changed the scheme up to fit his skill set, and it allowed him to have a breakout fantasy season. And Aiden was telling me how he's very concerned that I don't know how that translates to a different team, and I can't I can't really argue with it. I mean, we've we've said that this is an offense that should be able to support a top 10 fantasy tight end, and we currently have Austin Hooper projected as a top 10 fantasy tight end, but can I trust that? Like Outside of last year, what has Austin Hooper done that makes me believe he is going to go to Cleveland and be a great player? Silence should tell you the silence. Silence <laughs> is deafening. I mean, the last time they had a top ten tight end was Gary Barnage, wasn't it? Oh, oh, I just got chills. You just took me back in time. You gonna bring up Peyton Hillis too? Mister Madden himself. <laughs> we gonna we gonna do that? But but really, isn't that the last time they had a top ten fantasy tight end? It really seems so. like it. Yeah. I can't I can't think of another one. And I think maybe I don't think a joke whoever did it did he? Roger though. I had a ranked high, and two games in, uh, he went on IR, and I don't think he came back, but came back, but Freddie hated him. Yep. He came back, and we actually did a whole show about how, if you're talking about playing David Njoku in your fantasy playoffs, that you've already lost that game, and you might as well not set a lineup. I remember that distinctly, because it's still accurate to this day. Before we get too far away from it, uh, in 2018, David Njoku did finish the year as tight end nine. But before that... It was uh, it was Gary Barnage in 2015. So there you go. That is how we made that. it to that whole David and Joku. Is it is he good? Is he not? Debate from last year. I do right. recall that for a very brief time. Uh, okay, enough about Freddie Kitchens Browns. I'm kind of over them. I don't need to be reminded of how terrible they were. So let's move on to the Steelers, and we're going to be assuming that Big Ben is healthy this season until we're proven otherwise, because that's all we're being given right now. We're acting like he's a starter. He's going to play 16 games have mason rudolph behind him so please please let's hope he's healthy and so this is james connor's backfield to lose uh do you think he's gonna lose it jordan do you think james connor can stay healthy is this his year there's definitely a chance he may lose it it's really up to him if he can stay healthy and he can be effective but they drafted mcfarland and a lot of us really like mcfarland and a lot of us think that he has a chance to overcome and become the the starter but this backfield is really weird. They have Jalen Samuels, who we don't know if he's actually a running back or a tight end disguises a running back. They have Benny Snell, who saw success on the ground, not really much of a pass catcher. But yeah, Connor needs to he needs to show up. He needs to be stay healthy. I I think he can keep it if if all everything goes right. But it's definitely doesn't look good for him. I think the the odds aren't in his favor this season. Speaking of, is he good? Is he bad? James Washington, is he good? Is he bad? What do you think? <laughs> what do I think about James Washington? Oh, I've been on record for years not thinking much of James Washington's abilities at football. The more shocking thing to come out of to come out of the summit in my mind was once again our editor for Daily Fantasies just unbridled disdain for Juju Smith Schuster. That that was quite that was quite the uh, that was quite the rant that we were trained to. So no, I don't think James Washington is good, but it doesn't matter what I think. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger thinks James Washington is good. And I think that's well documented that they don't have any connection or chemistry. So for me, it's all about Claypool. Who's with me? Who's coming with me? <laughs> Who's like coming with me? It's all about Claypool. Let's go, baby. 
would point out that Chase Claypool is Canadian, so I am automatically on the bandwagon. Jack, I feel like you uh, oh. agree. Yeah, we do have to. We do have to take that stance. It's contractually obligated with. The That's government. right. I didn't realize we were a fifty-fifty split That's today. Right. It's part of the. Uh, it's part of the, the 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 citizenship. I think the dual citizenship. Yeah, yep. We have to do that. Okay. Good. All right. Good. Well, we're all in agreement. Claypool over Washington. Book it. Write it down for hot take time machine later in the year. But I do want to, before we move off it, I do want to ask anybody else think Juju's bad or just unfortunate? No. And I don't think he's bad. No, I, think, he's bad. I think I was shocked by that a little bit. I've heard it before, but not to that volume. <laughs> not at that, not delivered at that level. How high he was when playing with Antonio Brown and then just the downfall from last season, I think left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. So. You know, it, it depends. What can he do this year? Can he can he perform like he was before? Like I heard that they're going back. He's put going back into the slot. Maybe that'll help him. But we'll see. It's kind of like James Conner. I don't think he's going to lose touches uh, because he seems like he's the wide receiver one. But we'll see. As long as we can agree, he's not bad. Yeah, last year he was a top five wide receiver pick, and I, I think the biggest question is: Has a lot changed in your guys' eyes? Because we have him projected as wide receiver 11, and currently in ADP, he's going as wide receiver 8. So I was saying at the end of last year that people were going to sleep on Juju, and he was just going to fall in drafts because people were going to forget how good he was. That's not the case. They're actually overvaluing him a little bit. So are you guys in on it at that price tag? I may have to fade him a little bit if he's going at wide receiver 8. It might be a little bit rich for me, but I don't not believe in the talent anymore. It's just more the Ben Roethlisberger baggage that I'm concerned about. Yeah, I agree with that. And plus, yeah, I think that's a little too high. I'd rather go for either Dante Johnson or Claypool a lot later in your draft. Uh, moving on from the Steelers, because we've spent enough time on that franchise that I don't like talking about. We've got another franchise I don't particularly enjoy talking about, the Buffalo <laughs> Bills. Is Josh Allen good, Steve? been talking about is someone no good next question lot? okay that's, that's, so that's, that's pretty open and shut i mean I, I my take this season is that josh allen for me josh allen this year will be last year's baker mayfield where Ooh, everybody every- thought baker mayfield was the top five guy he was oh you gotta get him he's got that floor he's so good and he finishes in the 20s and i think that's josh allen this year can I make one note about that? I'm not completely disagreeing with you. I just think that the difference between Allen and Mayfield is is that Allen has the the rushing ability, and that's what the kind of popped, floor, yep. that kind of propped him up uh, last year. But it's it, it, like you said, he needs to take a uh, step forward because he's wildly inaccurate. But he got Stephon Diggs, which I will touch on. That could help him, uh, but he, he needs to get him the ball in order to succeed. So. Yeah, a lot of the hype is about he's going to throw the ball better. And I'll believe it when I see it. Accuracy last year, and it was a career high. 58. It's good for 32 out of 32. That's that's what that is. And that's what what scares me about Allen. And especially when your whole game is running the football like that, it is not C. Newton, Cam. It's it's not a recipe for longevity in the league. Eventually, that will catch up to you. We've pretty much seen that proven out over time. So it makes me a little nervous about putting a lot of my eggs in that basket. Especially when Josh Allen is significantly worse at football than Cam Newton. Yes, I said that. I will stand on that. 
Moving on to the running back situation, it's Devin Singletary versus Zach Moss, and we had a pretty heated debate about the, how the touchdowns are going to go there. I think everyone agrees that Devin Singletary is the guy there. Steve, what do you think about the backfield touchdowns? Well, I mean, that's the other thing we were talking about with Josh Allen, right, is how does he impact the running game touchdowns? That was the big question. Like right now, Josh Allen, by the way, going at QB7, that's terrifying. Yeah, but we've got no him at way. six rushing touchdowns. No Meanwhile, uh, Singletary with three, Zach Moss at four. And the consensus today came out that basically Moss is going to be the bulldozer in that backfield. And he's going to have that Frank Gore role that everybody was hoping <laughs> Singletary would have the whole job for. So yeah, it's I did not see it that way, but I, I was surprised to find that out. And it's not just us, the industry also believes that very strongly yeah. that Moss is going to be the goal line back and will ultimately have more touchdowns than Devin Singletary from at least from a rushing standpoint but also the reception touchdowns was skewed it's very interesting very interesting team especially because when we move to the wide receivers John Diggs is gonna take targets away from somebody Cole Beasley and John Brown were great last year well, who's he gonna steal targets from the most who's the most hurt by the addition of Stephon Diggs I think it's Cole Beasley, to be honest. And this is one of the hardest ones to project. And it's one of the hardest ones to evaluate it because as we already touched on, everything flows from Josh Allen. So even from the total, everybody got really excited about Stefan Diggs. And of course you would, because he's a really excellent player. But everybody's saying, oh, now it's a three-headed monster in Buffalo when that move initially happened. And I hate to throw cold water on people, but at 58% accuracy, you don't really have enough to go around to support three guys when you also factor in, you got dump offs to the running backs and then the, the tight end that we'll cover in a moment. But for me, it's Cole Beasley. It's his, uh, some of the dump offs over the middle, but this was a hot topic because some people are speculating that John Brown takes, takes the big hit for me though. Uh, I think it's Cole Beasley. Really. It's just unfortunate either way, because Cole Beasley and John Brown are both great players, both great people. It sucks that they're going to be not as good in fantasy, but it is what it is. Moving on from the bills though, because they're not that fun to talk about. We spent time on them. Miami Dolphins. How many games does Tua start this season, Jordan? Just like the Chargers, I think it depends on how well they do. Aside from the Chargers, the Chargers seem to be a team that can contend. I don't really know about Miami. I think they made a lot of good moves in the offseason, but I don't think they're all there. You know, there's a lot of rumors that Tua may redshirt, and it might be the Fitzpatrick show, but I think it depends on how well Fitzpatrick plays, where they are. Again, I, I would maybe predict six games, maybe four, uh, just kind of like that end stretch of the season when you know what you want to see what you got. You have them for as many as five years, but you want to see what you have now and hopefully build on that in 2021. That's the thing with the Miami Dolphins is depending on who's that quarterback, it really changes the projections and things get really interesting. So, Neil, I'm going to ask you this. You are a big Preston Williams fan. Who would you rather have at quarterback for Preston Williams? Uh, see, this is a kind of a, that's kind of a tough one for me. It would be, uh, Fitzpatrick is, is who I'd want. They had a nice chemistry going last year before Preston Williams went down. And, uh, I think a lot of that will, you don't have to, you know, over scrutinize it. Whereas with Tua, I mean, I hate to be that guy, but you know, he's left-handed. There's going to be a change in delivery. You, you never know what that's going to do to people. And also rookie quarterback. I don't know if he's going to, see the game in that way, or if he's going to be more prone to trying to run, or if he's going to be more prone to trying to check down. It's just the uncertainty there. Whereas I feel like Fitzpatrick is a known quantity. 
we know what you're going to get with that. It's going to be hurl the ball down the field, even if it's ill-advised, uh, make an amazing play, and a lot of running around. As we as we learned, <laughs> he's, he was the Dolphins' leading rusher in 2019. Oh, it's the best day of the offseason. For me, I don't know if it matters. I feel like it's basically the same either way. Well, they can't run the ball. <laughs> Are you willing to throw that support to Preston Williams too, Steve? Or is there anyone else on the Dolphins offense that you think is going to break out? Uh, no, I think it's Preston Williams, and I don't think it's particularly close. It, it's a lot of uh, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant and your favorite, Alan Hearns. <laughs> That's right. Got his mom on speed. There's a lot, of bod- a lot of bodies in Miami. Well, people and- love Devontae Parker too, like in, a, in a, what I deem to be an unreasonable way. Well, we're assuming that people are already... A- in love with him alongside Preston Williams. If you love Preston Williams, you have to love Devontae Parker. They're the Spider-Man me. <laughs> the same guy. That's got a fair. Until 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 somebody gets healthy for the whole season, I'd say, yeah, that's that's probably fair. And so one of the biggest stories of the offseason, Tom Brady in Tampa. And so we'll be talking about him tomorrow. He did what? <laughs> oh, am I just now hearing about this? <laughs> Wait till he hears about Gronk. <laughs> what about Gronk? Is he not the twenty four seven champ anymore? Is what twenty four seven champ is back? What? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, that ruined my Jarrett Stidham intro. But you know what, Jarrett Stidham. So it was kind of already ruined to begin with. Are you willing to declare him QB one? No, not wrong. I'd say so. I've, I think we've seen enough of Brian Hoyer to know that he's probably not long for that starting job. For the people listening, QB one for the Patriots, by the way. The mighty have fallen. And that's the thing. How the mighty have fallen. Edelman, he's falling hard down the board with Jared Stidham until he's traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Steve, who is the one receiver you do want to own in the New England Patriots offense? I guess it's Edelman because of the price tag. I mean, uh, Marquise he's going... Lee. Well, I mean, I love Marquise Lee, former Bolitnikoff winner Marquise Lee. There's no doubt about that. But just Edelman's going to get the targets, right? Otherwise, where do the targets go? You've got Sanu, Harry, Lee, uh, Myers, Bird. I mean, there's a lot of guys there, but I think Edelman's the one that you can count on. He's projected to be around wide receiver 33 for us, and right now ADP, he's going about 50. Like, nobody wants him. So I guess it's going to be Edelman. I really set you up for that Marquise Lee take, and you were not willing to I know. To take I it. understand what you did, but uh, it's just the return on investment's too good. Breaks my heart. Uh, but you know what else breaks my heart, though, Neil? Vion Bell. <laughs> <laughs> breaks uh, my heart. What do you think about the Jets' backfield? We're going to go right back to the well, pick up right where we left off last year. Adam Gase does not want to have one running back do this job. And he certainly doesn't appear to want it to be just Le'Veon Bell. There's a lot of evidence on this. And I think the industry is trying to make the case with how they're trying to break him down that he's going to have the same season he had last year when he had 71 plus percent of the job. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. This, this went so poorly last year. They had no other options. And then look at the history of Adam Gates. He's had one bell cow back in Miami and immediately traded him the next season to go back to committee. He got his hand forced last year with Bell. We discussed all of that when it happened. And they're just kind of stuck with it now. They can't move that contract. And poor Le'Veon Bell, man. Poor Le'Veon Bell. Because supremely talented guy who is going to see his workload diminished by Adam Gase's boyfriend, Frank Gore, 
watch watch them him beat the goal line back. Watch this happen to prove a point to Le'Veon Bell from Adam Gase. That, and then also they went out and drafted Perrine. So now there's a true committee for the Jets, and I just don't see Bell returning value at where he's being projected and drafted. It's uh, it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense to me. So we're going to be very low as a, as a group on Le'Veon Bell, and especially so will I. Unfortunately, it's a shame. And you just hate to see it. You really do hate to see it. But Adam Gase ruins nice things. Gordon, are you worried about him ruining Denzel Mims? I don't want to be. That's not something that I want crossing my mind. But this is a possibility. I, th- I think that the passing is okay. I think that Sam Darnold did all right based on, like, let's take away the Patriots game in the mono. I think he did all right. You know, Mims can't, coming in as a second-round pick, so I feel like he'll be a big part of their offense. They still got Crowder who, you know, first game of the season had 17 targets and then fell off. They bring in Perriman. Will the ghost of Quincy Nua show up? We don't know that. But I think that Mims has a chance to succeed. But it, like you said, he could look at Gase the wrong way and then be benched. So we'll see. It is easy to look at Gase the wrong way. And no, I wasn't directing that at anything particular about his press conference. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't me. Uh, Steve? We'll give you the last thoughts on the New York Jets. Do you have any strong takes? Uh, no, not really. I mean, Perryman is what it is. It, it, it was an an odd replacement for Robbie Anderson. Somebody has to fill that role. I feel like Mims does a better job of it, so I don't know where where that really puts Perryman in his production. Um, I, I feel like Mims, by the end of the season, should absolutely be the number two. There's a chance that he actually leads the team in targets. So if there's any of these guys that has, I think, supreme upside, it's him. Definitely worth the flyer later on. Uh, I still don't think Jamison Crowder is completely dead, though. Uh, If there's any justice in the world, Denzel Mims will lead the team in targets. I had to get that in there for Aiden. And that's going to wrap up the AFC for us. So I'm going to kick it to you, Jordan. Let the people know where they can find you and give us your parting thoughts on the AFC. You can find me on Twitter at Donald McJordan. A little play on my name and my final thoughts you know I, I just hope that cleveland doesn't burn me because i posted an article early on the website saying confessing my love for cleveland this year and usually when i do that it goes wrong so let's hope uh for let's hope for good things this year in cleveland which is uh, a big thing to ask for it to really fair, is. whether you declare love or not things always go wrong for cleveland so it's not <laughs> really you it's you it's, yeah, you're it's really them. putting yourself on the line there are opening yourself up for heartbreak and that is just sad so on a happier note steve thoughts on the afc i think there was a lot of eye-opening things that came out of today you know the marlon mack not being dead uh the joe mixon up at being the guy we've talked about the top five right the definitive five at running back and then who's the sixth guy and i think we were me and neil have been talking about it being derrick henry and the fact that it emerged as Joe Mixon today kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, I think of anything that I disagreed with today, it's going to be the Bills wide receivers. And just, I still feel like they're going to cannibalize each other. I still think that Cole Beasley has a legitimate chance to lead the team in targets by the end of the year. I think Cole Beasley is going to be the guy that's going to end up being my shot call to what we've been talking about last year. Josh Allen his accuracy rating was 79% on passes 0 to 9 yards, 70% on 10 to 19, 20 plus it was 31%. 
So where he struggles is throwing the ball deep, which is why I'm not a huge fan of Diggs and Brown. Beasley's the reliable one for me, so I think that's the one I'm going to be different on than everybody else. Imagine disagreeing on the Bills and Bengals, just the weirdest teams ever. Yep. It's hard to have a it's hard to have a hard take on them because they're just so right. weird. Yeah, there's so many possible theoretical outcomes for each one that it's kind of hard to sit here and be like, no, you're crazy. Yeah, I don't like Cole Beasley's not the mountain I want to die on, but it looks like I'm, I'm heading that direction. So. <laughs> oh, wow. So we've left on two unfortunate takes. So we'll kick it to Neil for the final take and see if he can get, lead us off on a happier note. Well, one of the things that uh, I thought was very interesting that came out of today was the professed death of Mark Ingram and the idea that Dobbins can just stroll in and is just going to absolutely outplay him for it. I, I was, I was not prepared for that. I knew people were going to be high on Dobbins, but I never in my life thought I'd be sitting there listening to Dobbins over Ingram. And then to hear the parts about ADP later on in the show, when you're talking about what the price tag is for Dobbins right now, it is, it ensures that I will never own JK Dobbins. I'll tell you that, right. (laughs) That, that is just written in stone, but the other one, I was very happy to see uh, people coming out for Josh Jacobs because I know that he's not the typical PPR guy, and we obviously do our projections and our rankings for PPR. And it's a little hard to get behind a guy who we pretty much agreed was not going to get that many more than like 30 receptions, uh, come out and to see how high he finished. So he's somebody that I believe in very strongly, that he's a like a supremely talented player, and he's going to have the opportunity. So uh, as far as a happier note, I'd say we go there. Um, but no, to continue with the tradition of, uh, of, of just <clears throat> ending on a d- total egg, what are people doing with Clyde Edwards Hilaire? What are you doing? <laughs> what is happening? I'm losing my mind. You know, like just, one other ugh. thing we glossed over too, uh, was David Johnson, how the industry has David Johnson at like 24. And right now he's ADP running back 30. Like, people think David Johnson's just dead. And I thought we were going to fight to the death about that today because our projection has him right around top 12. And yet, we were all in agreement that that's basically where he should be. Well, well, so I was, I was surprised I like, there was no kickback on that. That's one that I feel like everybody agrees on the theoretical projection, but we'll see how he gets ranked. And that's, and that's going to be the difference. But even still, you're talking about 20 spots. Oh, I from know. where he's projected to ADP. Well, that was what we all agreed on. Be the industry has kind of left him for dead. And I don't know about all that just yet. Jack, what was your takeaway from the AFC? Oh, well, my takeaway was that was a lot of sad takeaways. And to end it on David Johnson would be too <laughs> sad. So we're going to leave it on the takeaway that don't listen to Aiden. Marlon Mack is gone. It is the Jonathan Taylor era in Indianapolis. And so for Jordan McDonald at McDonald McJordan. Or Neil Smith at nonsense underscore Neil. Or Steve Bonham, nonsense underscore Steve. And me, at Kavanaugh, at Javanaugh87. Thank you for keeping up with the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!